Hey everyone, Julian here. Wanted to let you know that this is the first half of a special two-part episode in which Paul and I do a deep dive into cards that we think could maybe be used a little bit more in our strategy decks across the league and uh, clutch baseball as a whole. So these aren't necessarily the top tier cards, they may not even necessarily be the second tier, but these cards have, in the right circumstance, a lot of potential that we think could help a lot of teams. So, sit back, enjoy the show, and as always, thanks for tuning in. got your full Montes, you got your frozen ropes, your ribeye steaks, your see it clearlies. What about beyond that, huh? What about the cards that you don't think of off the bat? No pun intended. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. What's shaking, everybody? I'm Julian, manager of the Moorhead Fargo Robins. And I'm Paul Seeley, manager of the Fed Wheezy Fusion. And you are in for another episode of judgment calls where we go over all the hot topics for america's hottest game and i don't mean baseball i mean a baseball card game because that's what we play so paul yeah we put our own lists together for Mm -hmm. not top tier maybe not even second tier but we i think we have a pretty good sense of underlying value that may not be obvious to most folks. I think so. We play a lot. I experiment a lot. I'd like to mess around with cards that might be good in certain situations. My first honorable mention, and this is an honorable mention because I think it's used enough that it's not super underrated, but it's Flags Flying Out, which is a card you play on the pitcher's chart. It's an offensive card. You roll the pitcher's chart with the power die, and if it's a hit, you discard a card. Walk or a hit, you discard a card. So, I mean, I think that's really good because the power die really shines on the pitcher's chart because it just gives you so much more um, of a range of options. And what's great about flags flying out is you can kind of save it for when you really need that pitcher's chart hit or when you could really use that pitcher's chart double or home run just you know save it for the most devastating possible moments and you get to use it on any player it doesn't matter how good or bad your player is it's the same value on every single player in the game so for that reason i think it's good really 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 good i think i see it played somewhat often i think it's underrated because it should be played a lot more often, but it's played enough that it, it was an honorable mention for me. Oh, yeah. No, I think I think that totally makes sense. Um, you know, before we got to uh, talking about, like, second or third tier cards that maybe have more hidden potential than is readily apparent, I actually had this in my top ten, because I think this is a card that, that most everyone should play. Um, and you talk about... You know, when you need that hit on the pitcher's chart, you know, like today I played against Matt, uh, the Armada, and it was Juan Marichal, and uh, I made sure I had all three copies of that because if you need to get 
a vulnerability against a big pitching team, this is a must deck. Like, I don't think there's any way you go in against big pitching without this card. Because uh, it really can... It has the potential to start a rally or it can t- keep a rally going for mm-hmm. all the reasons you brought up. And uh, I just think it's really, really good because I think, you know, after card drawing, that power die access is the most powerful component in this game. Yeah, I was really turned on um, after the game I just played uh, the other day with Mike of the Imperials because I think I had considered it like good, but not something really good before. And he used it on me a few times, and I thought, you know, actually, that makes a lot of sense. Because, like, one, there's literally nothing I can do to stop this. Mm-hmm. And two, you can... The power die is about equivalent to plus two to the swing on most batter's charts. Like, they're they're fairly similar uh, as far as value. But on the pitcher's chart, the power die is huge because it gives you access to stuff like doubles and home runs that gives you just way more power than the plus two would. And it gives you a pretty similar increase in on base expected, um, expected on base percentage. So, I mean, the power die really shines on the pitcher's chart anyway. Uh, so the more I thought about it, the more I thought of it, like it's a really, really good card. And maybe I put it on here because I underrated it, but I think, I think it's it's going a little under the radar a little bit. Oh no, I, I would agree. I, I you know, and, and thinking off the top of my head, I can't think of a whole lot of games where I've seen that played. I think there, it's more uh, certain people play that consistently than seeing it played across all uh, strategy decks. Mm-hmm. And I I think I agree with you. I think it should be played more. I think it has a lot of uh, hidden value. Another thing that we didn't really touch on either is that it dovetails perfectly with adding to the swing cards. Another card on my list of honorable mentions is another neutral card here that uh, I thought would at very least be fun to talk about. Uh, And this is Go Play, uh, one of those all-star centric cards from uh, 2019. Uh, It's a neutral card, play it at the start of any inning. Uh, For this inning, your opponent cannot utilize any adjustments to the command, pitch, on base, swing, clutch, or defensive rating of any player with the all-star icon. And at first glance, I thought, holy crap, this will stop Babe Ruth dead in his tracks. And then Julian, in his infinite wisdom, went and researched Babe Ruth, who is on his team, and noticed, oh, he doesn't have an all-star icon. And so all the talk that we've seen in Discord about people, you know, intentionally walking Babe Ruth almost like 100% of the time, just based on the conversations I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this card, as far as meta goes, doesn't have a whole lot of value. However, I think if you look at players like Dante Bichette, Jermaine Dye, uh, Ken Griffey Jr., Stan Musial, if you get them into a lineup, or if you know someone that's you know, rostering any number greater than one of those players, then I think it might have some potential. Yeah, I mean, a lot of really good cards have the all-star icon, uh, a lot of good historical cards. So, I mean, especially once we get into a few, into the next year when we have even more historical cards to draw from, that's definitely something I'm going to keep my eye on as far as either A, 
building a team with all-star icons if there are enough affordable ones we'll see about that or or b having it um to use against my opponent if they have a few of those in key spots my next honorable mention is high chopper which i think also goes with flags flying out as something i don't think anybody's like well that car is terrible but I think I don't see it used the whole ton, and part of that's because it's new, and it's um, it's worse than the card it replaced, which was hit them where they ain't. But high chopper, it, you can play on a ground ball, and your opponent's infield has to make a defensive play. And if it succeeds, then it's still a ground ball, but if it fails, it's a single, and nobody can advance. And you have to discard a card late in the first place. I think that's still worth decking on a lot of teams because your opponent has like a 10 infield and you have a 45% chance of hitting of like of, of hitting that defensive play to work in your favor. You know, especially if you're running a team that's fairly slow and you got runners on first and second and you hit a ground ball and you don't want to just completely destroy your ending right there. And it's a huge risk because you got to discard a card to play it. And so you are investing a lot into that. Oh yeah. And I think, you know, you go to that whole discussion about hit them where they ain't. And I think that conversation was started before I started playing. Um, but I think that taking that card out of the game was very much a good thing and the right call to make. 1000%. Yep. And cause even in the handful of games I got to play, during that conversation while it was going on that I was in a late game scenario I had done everything correctly in my opinion as far as deck building as far as team building I had perfect really a perfect infield right mm -hmm. and still even then it was like a 75% chance that I wouldn't get the out <laughs> right when, yeah on a pitcher's chart in the ninth inning when I was you know, tied or down by a run or whatever. Yeah. I think you're right. I think there is still enough value to merit a second look from folks. And it's an uncommon, right? Uh, I believe so, yes. So you can have multiple copies. So, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of potential in that. And I think you, you, you talk about, especially in a league like we're, we're in right now, you get to see your opponent's roster ahead of time. So you see mm -hmm. someone that's maybe not investing a whole lot into their infield, then absolutely you want to deck that. Yeah. And, and the slower my team is in general, the more likely I'm going to want to deck that. Mm -hmm. Just to avoid double plays, and which can just completely kill rallies. Well, for sure. The next card I have on my list of honorable mentions is one that uh, I know you play quite a bit, um, but I don't think I've seen a whole lot of play from it. And I could be wrong. Maybe I just don't see it often enough and everybody is decking it. Uh, but Golden Ratio is a card that I think offers a, a huge return on what it provides. It's a defensive card. Play after a strikeout by a relief pitcher or a closer. Leave this card on your current pitcher. You may transfer it to additional pitcher, additional pitchers after substitutions. You draw one card for each strikeout result on your pitcher's chart, and your opponent draws a card 
for each walk result on either chart. And you may think, wow, you know, every walk that comes up, that's, that's quite a lot of bit of cards for my opponent. It's really not. In the games that I've played where a golden ratio has come up either by myself or my opponent, there, there hasn't been a whole lot of drawing from the walks. And so I think, the, I think the risk in that card is very much mitigated. And when you're going through your team, you can load up on a lot of high-octane relievers, closers, whatever, and really set yourself a good late inning, late couple innings, to really draw a bunch of cards from golden ratio. Yeah, and I think this kind of ties back into what we talked about in the previous episode where we tend to value starting pitchers with a lower ending count because then we can have a bigger bullpen and use that, use that with more flexibility. And golden ratio ties right in with that. Something that I found with golden ratio as I've used it is that I, I think at first when I started using it, I just said, okay, what are the largest strikeout ranges in the game? Let me just put all those in my bullpen. But I think what I eventually figured out was that's not a bad place to start, but you also want your pitchers to have good command. Otherwise, they're not going to be on their chart. You're going to get more of your outs on the batter's chart. And you're going to give up more walks because more of your walks are going to be on the batter's chart anyway. So... I think that that's a really interesting card to play to play with and play around. I agree with you; it's very good. Um, I think it just didn't make my list because I maybe I overestimated how often people play it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I agree; it's it's super powerful. Drawing cards is good. I think we've covered that subject already, mm-hmm. and uh, I like drawing cards, so that's a good way to do it. And another thing too is when you look at potential, or at least for me, when I look at potential in strategy card decisions, right? I look at first the umbrella of how many different scenarios can I play this card, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times cards won't make the cut because their window of playability is so small, so specific, that mm-hmm. it doesn't serve any point. Or the return that you get from that card, the benefit from playing that card, is such a num- numerically small percentage chance. Like the one that comes to mind is Hot Corner, where I think uh, I may not get it 100% right, but you basically make a defensive play with your third baseman. And yeah. the highest defense third baseman can have is plus four. So you And you also have to discard a card, too. So you look at the cost-benefit analysis of that versus something like uh, Golden Ratio, and there's there's no end to it conceivably right also you can play it as soon as your starting pitcher leaves the game mm-hmm. and i don't know if it's been brought up or if it's in the the rulings uh, spreadsheet how it interacts with kyle snyder but that's another potential to bar with a little asterisk if it's you know feasible to do that if you start, oh, it totally is. Yeah, then even even more broken, in my opinion. Yeah, it's very good if you're running a team with Snyder. The downside is that you're running a team with Snyder, so you can't have Bailey or <laughs> right. any of your other pitching coach that. options. But that, 
that's a legitimate choice. I think that there are legitimate reasons to do that. I don't think that's a bad choice at all. Yeah, I think any time that, well, you can't use Bailey as your pitching coach, that means it's a pretty good card. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely is because you. I mean, you can. It's really nice because you can run your starting pitcher as as a reliever, basically, because. You run your opener, that's your starter, and then your next pitcher is your starter, but that's actually a reliever. So, golden ratio works in that scenario. It's very good. Uh, my next choice, I, I kind of cheated a little bit, uh, which takes me back to high school, but <laughs> my I put I put three cards together. So I put the dog gaze, pitch count, and good take, all of which revolve around walks. So the dog days is a weather card that doubles the tiredness penalty for a walk. So each walk basically counts as two. Pitch count lets you take a single and turn it into a walk. And good take, if you get a walk, you can add plus one to the next batter's on base. And if your next outcome is a strikeout, you can discard a card to change it into a walk. The reason I kind of put those together is because they're all very good against a lot of good big pitching cards. Um, the downside is that the dog days isn't going to work against anybody with the MVP icon. So MVP pitchers are immune to it. But if you're in a series matchup where you're against big pitching and they don't have a very good bullpen, or you're in a series matchup where you know that you can get, you can kind of force them to get into really bad pitchers. I think it's a really nice kind of few cards that you can just kind of slot in to mess with them, to make them make suboptimal decisions. And, I mean, you get the dog days, you draw a walk naturally, and you play a single and play pitch count, you've already removed an inning from a pitcher just like that. Mm -hmm. So... I think it works really well in very specific scenarios. I've literally never seen anybody do it except for myself. And I, it's just one of those things where I think, I think the effect is pretty good. It didn't make my list mainly because I think it's a very limited situation. Mm. And because I think the upside isn't that huge, but it's pretty significant. So that's yeah. why I made my honorable mention. And I think, too, that you look at the... I mean, if, if Dog Days fires on all cylinders, right, you're looking at how many bonus walks, right? I would right. say maybe in a perfect world, maybe you get three or four from it. Absolutely. I'm talking, like, absolutely perfect. And that's, you know, if you get three right. innings worth for it then for that to work, I mean, a lot of things have to go right, right? Yes. And, like, on deck circle, balls and strikes, stuff like that that require getting on base to let something happen down the road. I've used those cards, actually, intentionally a bit less as of late, just kind of opting more for guaranteed benefit from the cards that I play, as opposed to just kind of, you know... Well, I still use on deck circle, but well, on deck circle, if you play it on uh, the right batters, it's base is like very close to guaranteed. Yeah, 
And I mean, there I still plenty of times will have Nellie Fox come up and I'll play that stupid thing, and he rolls a one or a two, right? And well, I think that's just your fault for not rolling better. It's true. It's true. I don't practice enough. That, that's not the first time. That brings me back to high school too. Um, <laughs> but uh, looking at cards like that, and I would say on deck circle among all of those would be the last I would cut um, from my from my starter or, uh, strat deck because, like you said, it's basically guaranteed with a certain number of players. However, there's still that, well, why give myself the chance for something good to happen when I can just play a card and give myself the power die or plus two or plus three or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's just a cost-benefit analysis that has to be made. Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right, what's next on your list? My, my, this is actually my last one here. Uh, this is a defensive card. Uh, surprisingly, no... Uh, underrated uh, honorable mentions in the offensive pool for me. Uh, I chose Left for Dead as my last one. Uh, play after a third out with at least one runner on base. Draw one card for each runner left on base by your opponent. Do not, do not draw a card <laughs> for any base runner that was intentionally walked. Something that happened to me, I learned trial by fire, uh, after, <laughs> after I intentionally walked one or two guys uh, to try and get some cards. It was nice to read that after the fact. Thankfully, I didn't give up any runs that inning. Your opponent may opt to discard the same amount of cards to negate this card's effect. And I think it's pretty obvious that card kind of speaks for itself mm -hmm. in, in, as far as its potential goes. But yeah. it's still one that I don't see that often. And yeah, I, I will deck it all the time. Yeah, and you know, I think, I think I've seen it played more often from you than anyone else. But I think that, you know, with Left for Dead, you have so many cards in the game that are capable of card drawing, right? That, mm -hmm. But there are very few that offer card draw, multiple cards to be drawn through the virtue of playing one single card. And I think kind of going onto the conversation we had with your uh, last pick, or picks, I should say, you have at, you know, when everything works perfectly the return on this card is super huge right because mm -hmm. we, we both agree card draw is bay that's the main goal if you have a card that gets you two or three cards just by playing it that's incredible mm -hmm. but the problem is you got to go through some some stressful uh, scenarios to get there and i mean the fact that your opponent can discard too you know, that's, it's a, a little bit of an out. It's not an easy out, of course, but, you know, I think most of the time that it's come up that the opponent usually allows the the card to trigger. Yeah, and even if you only use it for one card, it's still a free cycle, basically. And, I mean, your opponent might discard for it, depending on what their hand status is. And that would be a bummer, and I think that's the right play. But people don't usually do that. They just kind of let you take the draw usually most of the time uh so i have uh the autocorrect's favorite ducking the batter <laughs> One of which my uh i like, to, I, like I, to take credit for discovering that card it's an you know you kind of did i know people have talked about it with babe ruth coming out 
looking for ways to pitch around him and all that stuff. I think that the reason they didn't make my honorable mention list is just because people have talked about it a fair amount. But I do think it's even better than people let on because it basically allows you to intentionally walk Babe Ruth without actually intentionally walking Babe Ruth. And I mean, you get a walk, but there are, I would say, very few times where I come into a situation where one walk makes a huge difference to my pitcher. Maybe that's just because I don't roster pitchers with multiple walks on their chart usually. It's not something I necessarily go actively against. I just don't usually end up with them. And being able to put Babe Ruth on base without pitching to him, generally speaking, pretty good. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And I, you know, I had it set aside, too, um, as a card that I... I I think it's finally coming around. Folks are finally coming around to it. I don't use it that often because my hang-up with it is, you know, you, you really want to avoid Legends Never Die and Hail to the King, right? Mm-hmm. That you want to get past those nail-biting at-bats with uh, your high-power hitter, your heaviest hitter at, at the plate. Mm-hmm. But with Ducking the Batter, you only bypass the Legends Never Die or Hail to the King with that hitter because right. they get to keep the cards. Yep. And it's almost counterintuitive for me when I play it because I think you look at the virtue or, or value of an intentional walk and the benefit therein, right? That, especially in like real life where you don't have some like magical spell cast on the hitter as they come to the plate, <laughs> right? That, that right. would then be taken away. So you, you talk about like a real life scenario and Babe Ruth could have all the confidence in the world, but if your pitcher, say, or Aldous Chapman or whomever, is really in, in the zone and just can cancel that, like, there's, there's no reason to say, well, if they get, you know, a horrible, you know, if, it, if it's a dribbler in front of the mound or in front of the plate, that the next batter will get a chance to all of a sudden be hugely inspired and have all that confidence that right. Babe Ruth yeah. would have had. It doesn't, it doesn't really make, work that way. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense to me, but again, I think it's I think it's an easy choice uh, for a card that is really better than it lets on um, for the, all the reasons you stated. And I, I, it's, it's definitely something that's on my short list of things. If I see like a high-octane just ridiculously powerful lineup that you can you can go in kind of with that 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 very like going in with the scalpel precision and using it in such a way that you can mitigate a lot of a lot of uh, negative outcomes by yep. a, a well-timed intentional walk unintentional intentional walk right yeah and you know the nice thing is if your opponent is not running somebody behind babe ruth who has hailed to the king relentless never die and then you play ducking the batter that card's just stuck in their hand mm-hmm. which is why i tend to advocate for having one of those people um so those of you out there in the league uh of polar power who have babe ruth and then the person behind them does not have any icons 
not talking about anybody in particular, Sean, then I think that uh, you better watch out for some and ducking the batter against you. I'm not opposed to paying the three-card uh, kicker for for a non-icon guy. Uh, I think if the timing is right, that's that's a fair price to pay. So, you know, legends never die. On the other hand, this is a tougher sell. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but hail to the king. You know, there have been times where I've played that just out of, you know, timeliness. And I think this is, you know, a good conversation to have, you know, now if, if not ever, but looking at the possibility, you know, you have nine innings, right? Mm-hmm. And this is something that I've always wanted to talk about. And one of the things that really got me wanting to start a podcast is a card like Hail to the King. How long do you sit on it, Right. Because mm-hmm. even if you do have, say, two or three or four guys that qualify with the icons for Hail to the King, do you do it if Babe comes up with someone on first? Is that enough of a situation where you want to, you know, go full on with the, the Sultan of SWAT? Do you want to wait till Dante Bichette has a runner on second and third instead? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, it's at what point do you pull the trigger? Right. I mean, I think for me, the later you get in the game and the more cards you have in your hand, the more likely I am to just play the card and not wait for the perfect opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think in my game against uh, against Mike, the Imperials, I actually played Hail to the King on Thai France hmm. because I had, uh, it was two outs and I had runners on second and third. And if I had scored another run, I think I would have gotten an extra tiredness off the pitcher. And I just kind of wanted to YOLO it. Uh, it didn't really work. <laughs> so I don't really know how uh, how effective that was. But I, I, I'm willing to YOLO it every once in a while. Oh, absolutely. I think I've used it on uh, Ronald Guzman. I think I've used it on Tucker Barnhart before. I think it's a lot of fun to... You know, bring those those massive charts and and uh, Armada had some great guys. He had Ryan Braun and Miguel Sano batting right mm-hmm. after each other, and it's like those guys you get to slap three on base onto them. Oh yeah. hell yeah, do that yeah. all day. You know, I'll pay three cards all day for that. Mm-hmm. How about our uh, top ten, Paul? Ready to oh die? yeah, we have lists, don't we? <laughs> we do. <laughs> We're only thirty minutes in. <laughs> well, you know, we gotta start our list at some point, right? <laughs> You want to go, go first? You want me to go first? I'll go. I'll, I'll go first. I'll, I'll give you my number ten. It's not All that right. spicy. All right. uh, my number ten is Setup Man two point mm. uh, I think I know it's played a lot. I think it is so good it still warrants being on this list because basically what Setup Man two point does is if your opponent, if if you're bringing a pitcher in the seventh or the eighth with a K icon or a hole icon then your opponent cannot utilize any adjustments to the pitch or swing, including the power die for that half inning, if that pitcher with a K or hold icon is in the game. Basically, this is like a giant middle finger to your opponent when you play it. <laughs> Basically, you, you because it's perfect, because the 7th and the 8th are when your opponent is most likely to like have a bunch of Clutch moment cards stockpiled. They got cards they're ready to play. You know, it's a close game. They're ready to burn everything. So they get to the top of their lineup. 
you bring in your one of your best pitchers with a K or hold icon, and you play setup man, and they cannot do anything. They just have to hold all of their cards, and it just completely stops anything that they wanted to do. And then it forces them to play those cards the next inning when maybe worse hitters are up and it's a worse time to play them. Or maybe times where those players don't work with those cards at all. And I think the potential for timing Setup Man 2.0, right, and getting it to neutralize an opponent's entire strategy is so high that it is basically i will use it i will make sure my team can use it and i will use it every game because you can you have six or seven innings to draw this card right mm -hmm. so you don't have to have this card immediately you get a ton of time to draw it so it's actually pretty reliable that you're gonna get one of your two copies of this throughout the course of the game and if you do that i think it's reliable enough that you can basically depend on it in eight out of ten of your games that you're going to have it and if you have a couple of pitchers that it works with it works super well to just completely disrupt your opponent's strategy oh absolutely agree and if i have to go up against josh Hader in the late game with Setup Man or Setup Man 2.0 one more time. I think I'm just <laughs> going to quit this whole damn game because the the effect that has, my mental well-being, I think, is still suffering from, <laughs> as a result of, of, of encountering that damned card. And yeah. I think it does everything it's supposed to do. Maybe it's a little overpowered in my book, but I think, I, I think you know... And you look at, like, a real-life example. Uh, just because I'm old as dirt, Brad Lidge circa, what was it, 2004, when he had his just ridiculous year, like, he comes in, it's basically the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. He's going to throw 160 strikeouts that season. He might as well just give up, right? Right. So why not have some guys that uh, can make you, you feel hopeless, you know? Yeah. Hopelessness yeah, and baseball go hand-in-hand. Hand. <laughs> right, yeah. and Well, I, I think it's really cool because I do think the counterplay is to not put yourself in a situation where you're w saving all of your cards for the obvious setup man play. And, like, if you know your opponent runs it and they got somebody in the bullpen that is eligible for it, I think you can kind of think ahead of time and think, okay, I should probably make sure that don't rely too much on unloading my entire hand in one inning. Mm -hmm. And a delicate balance of mm -hmm. holding on for too long or maybe, you know, not being married to any card uh, at all. Right. And, and I, I think the part where it's underrated for me is I know we see it a lot and I know you, you have demonstrated to all of us that, you see it a lot and it haunts your your her, your dreams and i think the way I, the reason i think it's underrated is because i think a lot of teams are not built specifically with setup man 2.0 in mind mm. and so if they don't have those icons they just won't use the card 
I think Setup Man 2.0 is so good, and it's not that hard to get a couple of guys with K or hold icons, that it should be something you build with in mind. And I don't know if it necessarily is for a lot of managers. And this gets me thinking about something I had thought about earlier going through cards to put on a list for, for this episode, and I'm, I'd be curious to find out what the average run differential is among the clutch games. I would assume that it's probably within the, the, the spectrum of clutch moments, right? That it's within three, I would, I would assume. Maybe. If, if you... Because I, I got it... Because you boil it down run differential-wise, right? That, well, Setup Man 2.0 isn't going to you know, have a lot of value in a blowout game. Right. E- either way. I mean, it certainly has more value in one-sided blowout than another. Uh, in a close game, of course, is where it shines. And... Uh, It'd be in, that's why I think it'd be interesting to find out how how often really are and this is of course <laughs> scraping the bottom of the barrel. This is kind of like the Bailey thing, right? If this is if this is the downside to that card, it's a damn good card. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's oh well, you can only play it most effectively when it's a close game to shut down your opponent. Oh darn, right? Well, well, yeah, it's like, I mean, Hail to the King isn't very good if you're losing by 10 runs. Right. <laughs> so, guess that's not necessarily a good card. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, think the, I think the reason it's different for setup man is just because you can only play it late. So you're, you're somewhat sacrificing a little bit of early tempo in order to try and seal the deal later in the game. And I think it'd be interesting, too, just you know, kind of jumping out of the you know the, the the functionality of the card and I would, I'd be interested if there's a story behind why that card is an uncommon rather than a rare because it certainly feels like a rare I feel like any card that by itself can cancel out effectively two-thirds of a player's strategy deck is probably not exactly an uncommon <laughs> right know, value valuation I would guess that uh, Setup Man 2.0 is a uncommon because it is based on Setup Man. And I would guess Setup Man is an uncommon because it was made by people who we don't have contact with anymore because they aren't developers of the game, oh. would be my guess. <laughs> Probably a fair uh, assumption on your part. So um, what you got on your list? Well, my my number one here is is uh, significantly less sexy than yours, and this is a card that I have brought up in the discords uh, a few times. Uh, this is a hole in his bat. It's a defensive card. Mm-hmm. Uh, play before the swing, change any out result to a strikeout, and of course you know right off the bat where I'm going with with this pick mm-hmm. and the value. Of course, you pair it with dialed in, which. You play after a strikeout, it's a momentum card, stays on your pitcher, and you get plus two to your command. I think hole in his bat, even though you're essentially doubling the the card spaces in your deck 
four dialed in because that's mm-hmm. really the only reason you use this. I mean, there is there is a kind of a very far second place secondary window that you would use this in maybe uh, high pressure situations with runners in scoring position with one out, whatever. Um, it, it can be effective in that instance too, but really having this work with dialed in, I think there are enough card draw cards to let you get that combination in play. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think something that you know maybe overlooked with this card is that you get to play it before the swing, which mm-hmm. is kind of uncommon as far as defensive cards go. And you really have an opportunity to time this ideally, right? Yes. And and I think that also adds value to it. Yeah. I mean, dialed in is so powerful that it makes hole in his bat powerful enough to use, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's I don't think that's a wrong take. Take. Um, I think that another use could be with golden ratio, just as a cycle. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be my ideal use of it, but would be a use of it but yeah yeah, dialed in is so good i don't think it's bad to try to run that at all yeah and i mean this is this is one of those cards where you get to talking well how does this compare to other potential cards that i could be using right Mm -hmm. and this is one of those scenarios where i kind of get away from my typical well i don't want to have a better chance at something i want something right now Mm-hmm. And you know this this really scratches that itch for me. It's my as... strikeout, and I want it now. Yeah, exactly. My you know pairs well with uh, my uh, JG Wentworth, who's my number four starter on my power mm-hmm. team. Um, yeah, I just think all around it's it's a pretty decent card, and you can you can deck one, two, or three, however you see fit, you know. But certainly you don't want to you you don't want to play this over. Any card that lets you draw more cards. You don't want to play this over any card that gives you a power die. You don't want to play it over anything that adds at least two to the swing. After you get all those cards locked in, then give Hole in His Battle look. Yeah. My uh, next card on my list is probably not going to be too surprising. It is Advanced Scout. Uh, I, I I think it's well known at this point that I'm a big fan of this card. It basically... I mean, okay, so what it does is it allows you to take three cards in your hand, put them in your deck, shuffle your deck, draw three cards. And I think at first when I looked at it, I wasn't super impressed because I thought, well, you're kind of wasting a card in order to do that. But here's where I was mistaken. The benefit of Advanced Scout is that it allows you to... It basically opens up the options in your deck dramatically because it allows you to have cards that are more situational that you can just advance scout at, out if, out of, like put them back in your deck if it's not the right situation. Mm-hmm. So you can deck 10 cards that are relying on clutch moments and you can just advance scout them back into your deck if you're in the third inning. And stuff like that is super useful. And on the other hand, Advanced Scout is something that you can use to fish for a card. So if you are a power pitching team and you really, really need a master of efficiency to get your starter an extra inning, if you pitch a 1-2-3 inning, you can immediately Advanced Scout and you get three shots at drawing one of your masters of efficiency. And so 
it's really good for both purposes. And, I mean, it just allows you to make your hand as good as it possibly can be, no matter your situation. And it allows you to use cards in your deck that are a little bit more situational that normally you might not want to use because they would fill up your hand, but you don't have to because you could just put them back. And in addition to that, it is kind of like bad luck prevention where if your opening hand just sucks, mm -hmm. then, you know, if you get an advanced scout, well, you can kind of re-roll your luck a little bit with that. So I, I like it for all of those reasons. And something, you know, I think this is a perfect card. Uh, you, you talk about underlying potential. Um, something that I didn't immediately think of until I started playing with the card is this is, I think, my favorite card to have in my hand. If I'm in a weird scenario where I have eight cards in my hand, mm -hmm. I need to discard down to seven. I don't want to discard down to seven. And I just don't have any synergy strategy card-wise going on for me right now. So mm -hmm. I've got my seven, eight, nine hitters up, and I've got a hand with Hail to the King, Dialed In, whatever. Cards that just don't jive with my little guys. I want to use Advanced Scout to get me out of discarding, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe set the table for some better cards down the road for my one, two, three, and, on and so forth hitters. Exactly. For me, like it is just such a great feeling when you, when you have an out of discarding, and just have being stuck with a handful of cards you can't use. It is just, it is such a helpful card in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I see people use it, but I don't see everybody use it. And frankly, I cannot think of a deck in which it is not useful. So there you have it, folks. That concludes the first half of our two-part series doing a deep dive into some of the uh, lesser-used strategy cards in the clutch game that we all love so much. Uh, be sure to check back next week as we finish out this two-parter with our second episode, and you can hear all the good takes on the rest of those cards that we think everyone should maybe use a little bit more. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.